Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. We're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. And today we're reviewing a USA Today article titled, How to Wean Grown Kids Off Your Payroll, Freeing Up More Retirement Cash. Now, this was written by Adam Schell, and it is a fantastic read, a really short, compact article with a lot of punch and something that a lot of people are dealing with, and we have a lot that we would love to share. So, Bruce, you sent me this article over to begin with. Um, Kind of what are your thoughts as we get going? Well, it's interesting because there's so many things, you know, that is is the universe talking to you. So I'm reading this article coming back from our Scottsdale office. And the second line is uh, is actually talking about uh, this Dana at, uh, Ann Spash, who is the founder of Sensible uh, Money. She's the CEO and it's an advisory firm in Scottsdale, Arizona. So it was one of the first things that caught my eye because I just coming back from our <laughs> Scottsdale office. And what I loved nice. about it is says uh, when it comes to money, Dana Ann Spash uh, got the tough love treatment from her parents when she was growing up and living under their roof. Now, you and I are different generations, uh, but I felt like I got the tough love experience from my parents. And mm-hmm. if, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's good or bad because there was a lot of things I think I've talked about even on this podcast about how my dad handled money and money decisions in in my life. But one thing he did force me and and actually my sisters to do is that, hey, you you've got to become responsible for your own uh living, your own money early in your life. And, you know, I always say it's trial and error is not a great way to uh to actually learn. But a lot of it we learned by trial and error because he didn't really tell us how to do it. But he also did not allow us to be enabled by him by saying, oh, OK, here, you need uh, $10 for this. You need $20 for this. You know, he actually mm-hmm. said, well, you know, if you, if you want the money, you're going to have to go find the money. And uh, so I think that was a good way to learn. You know, maybe he could have helped us out a little bit better. And maybe there's a, a difference between what I'm seeing in my practice and what is actually uh, what I actually went through. So, Rachel, you know, early in this in this podcast, I think we ought to be talking directly to business owners. Why? Because, Absolutely. Yeah, because business owners are people that are creating value in this world, and they're often, you know, they often have a lot of money flowing in and out of their control. And 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 I've seen this over and over that they're also feeling bad because they pour a lot of their heart and soul into the business. Of course, it's providing a great uh, income for the family, but because they're not around as much, they oftentimes try to make up for it by giving the children a lot um, mm-hmm. for two reasons. One, they've created value f- for uh, the community, and so they have a lot to give, but also because, once again, I said this, but they, they're feeling bad because they're not they're not around. They don't have time to, to talk to kids about money, so... I really think that our business owners, when we're trying to build a life and business that they love, they have to address this early on, um, especially for legacy planning, if the succession plan would include 
having the children take over the business because they also need to know how money works in the business. Absolutely. You know, I think it's interesting that we can lean on our own experience and then also figure out how to make it better. I mean, I had I had a lot given to me, but at the same time, my parents really wanted me to focus on the education side of things. And so they said, we really don't want you working a job, except I think I worked a job the last summer before I moved away from home. And then during that time took over some of more, some of my responsibilities and financial commitments. But then once I moved out of the house, there was a lot of a lot of transition to me being able to take care of myself. And what was really interesting is I look at this as well. I have a seven-year-old daughter right now and another one on the way. And I'm thinking about this whole idea of weaning grown kids off the payroll really starts way, way back in the parenting journey and what you teach kids along the way and how you help them be accountable for their own decisions and take responsibility. And so um, we'll, we'll cover a lot of that as we go through this article. But what I thought was really interesting, I'm going to share one of the quotes here. According to a Pew Research Center survey, it says, just because your kids have moved out of the house doesn't mean they're out of your financial life. Six out of 10, which is 61% of parents with at least one adult child over 18 said they provided them financial help. So what I'm seeing by this is it's not just a occasional thing that's happening every once in a while in some odd families. I mean, really, this is a big deal where kids are moved out of the house, the parents are empty nesters, the kids are still being financially supported, whether it's through cell phone bills or paying for a car payment or their insurance, and not completely financially stable on their own. So what we really wanted to do is to help you create a new normal in your life so that your kids can thrive and build time and money freedom, as well as you are building that time and money freedom in your own life. And so today's conversation, really, our goal is to help you think differently and plan ahead to create those successful, self-sustaining life for yourself and your business and finances and relationships with your kids and future generations that you're going to love that are all going to be self-sustaining. So um, as we're talking about how to increase your cash flow by weaning your kids off your payroll. This really impacts multiple areas of the cash flow system as well. It really has to do with your mindset and then also the legacy that you're leaving for generations behind you. So yeah, the, uh, the thing that I, that comes to mind is, and we talk about this with our practice all the time. I don't think we should any, anytime tell people we know what you should do. But the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is, is that I, I haven't done it recently, but a couple of years ago, I did a, I tried to figure out how many actual knee to knee appointments I had been on. And it was like 4,400 knee to knee appointments. Yeah. And, and that's been a couple of years ago. And then we looked at all our people in our office and it, it came out to like 44,000, you know, knee to knee appointments that we had been on. And we, we said, And every Monday we do a brainstorming and we share experiences. Well, so you, you come to somebody, a financial planner, you come to them, not only for their industry expertise, but you always also come to them to help them help you figure out how you should structure your life. Well, I don't know exactly what you should do Mm -hmm. because you, you know, all the variables, variables behind closed doors. But I do know people that are in similar situations. So if I can just share 
stories about what has worked for other people, I think that can be very, very valuable. And Oh, tremendously. And I think we all learn from other people's experiences because, I mean, honestly, as we go through this life, we're all trying to figure things out. I mean, nobody has the ultimate answer and stamp of approval on on everything in the perfect right way. But if we can learn from somebody else walking through these same challenges and recognizing the difficulty and, and all of the emotional and psychological and relationship and financial issues that are going on, then we can progress and move forward. So I think those stories are extremely valuable. And one of the things that came out of the last brainstorming session or two two brainstorming sessions ago was that, you know, when we were growing up, um, there was a, you know, I hate I hate to sound like the good old days, you know, when we were growing up, it's like, <laughs> hey, get off my lawn, you know, like some grumpy old man. But when, when we were growing up, there wasn't as much structure for everything that you did in your life. You know, you just kind of, it was a neighborhood, you kind of figured things out. And as you grew, mm-hmm. you start to you started to figure out, hey, you guys want to go to the? They're going to really going to tell how old I am now. So the five and dime store, you know, and and figure out what <laughs> you could purchase. And you had, you know, you had thirty five cents, seventy five cents, and then sometimes you didn't have enough money to get something. But one of your buddies had a little bit more money. You pooled your resources together, and you said, okay, well, we we don't have enough money to get it by ourselves, but we can get this baseball if we pool our resources together. And, you know, you just keep nice. bringing it, you know, the next time. And so you get, you got to work out finances together and you talked about those kind of things because you were constantly, but now in today's world, and once again, the baby boomers, my generation is responsible because we're the ones who messed up the millennials and the generation X's, you know, so <laughs> I mean, I'm, I know we're part of the problem, but in today's world, everything is so structured, you know, it's, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, okay, we're going to go do. Uh, piano lessons. Then we're going to go to soccer practice. And oh, but this weekend, we're going to take a trip, you know, with the soccer team and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, you know, nothing is actually paid for by the kids. And they, 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 don't, have, they yeah. don't know the value of a dollar because uh, they're not paying for anything. And, you know, when I went out on, on Friday nights or Saturday nights, you know, you had the money that you had in your pocket that you earned in a lot of times, but now kids don't even have a chance to earn money because their their time is so structured with everything. And mm-hmm. schools, frankly, are much more demanding than they used to be. And it's all oh, this yeah. competitive. Well, we got into we have to get to this highly competitive college, and so there's just a lot of factors that are going on. But you must, I believe, you must stop and have a structured way so that your children can understand what's going on. And one of my clients actually took and sat down on Sundays with their kids and actually had the kids write out the bills, the checks for the bills for that month. So that they they understood, hey, it's this much for the mortgage. It's this much for the electric bill. It's this much for this. Look at my credit card Mm -hmm. bill. This credit card bill went for that hotel room that we stayed for in the soccer tournament. For we ate out that time. We ate out and look at all the money. And they actually saw how many thousands of dollars were flowing outward in that particular night. So that's a little bit of a thing. I think that uh, in the article, it talks about, uh, you know, kids don't have an, an, an idea of what uh, the, those payments for credit cards are. So I think we really need yeah, to try to help not only tell people about this article, but give a little bit of things that have been successful for people. I agree. And um, part of part of this, as I want to kind of lead into it. So 
a lot of times I think people end up paying for kids' bills after they move out of the house because it's just what they've always done. So the kids expect it, the parents expect it, and you're just continuing on with this motion without setting this intention of something different or maybe not knowing how to help them be responsible. And so I think also sometimes the parents want to be helpful. And in being helpful, sometimes we enable the lack of responsibility in our kids. And so uh, those are just some of the reasons that I think sometimes if we really just get introspective on why we're making poor decisions, it's because of some of those reasons. It's just we've always done it this way or we're, we're trying to be helpful, but actually enabling the wrong behavior. So when we talk about tough love, and transitioning kids to being able to pay expenses on their own, I wanted to share a couple things that I'm thinking through and doing and some resources that have been helpful even to me, because ultimately, I think all of our goal goals as parents is to raise kids that are autonomous, that have confidence, that have responsibility, that we know we can trust them. I mean, the article mentioned, you want to know that your child is going to be able to pay their rent on time. You want to know that they have an understanding of finances that they're going to not screw things up. And so that really does start at a much earlier age. And one book that I read that was tremendously helpful was called The Opposite of Spoiled. And I don't have the author's name readily accessible to me because it just was on the top of my head right now, but I can get that and put that in the show notes. But it was a really helpful story of all of these financial thoughts and concerns. Should we give an allowance? Should we not? How do we handle this money conversation with kids? And actually, the idea that you brought up, Bruce, about showing kids what is in the spending plan, how you're spending money, what decisions are being made, and even including them in that decision-making process is really helpful. And I think one thing that we can really help kids to begin understanding even at a very young age is opportunity cost and realizing if we spend this money in one particular way, we can't spend it in another way. And sometimes even being involved in that conversation, here's the fun plan, the fun budget. This is the amount of money we have for the month. How do we want to spend it? Well, we can go to you know the water park or we can go on a trip and stay overnight somewhere else. You know, Or we can figure out what we want to do with this money. But if we're involving them in the conversation, then they're thinking about how the financial weight is of the decisions that they're making. So I think ultimately the end goal of this article was to be able to be in a position of saying, well, if you have a lot of dollars that are flowing out to take care of your kids after they've moved out of the house, that's money that you're not being able to use for setting your own self up for success. And I would say that probably one of the greatest gifts you can give to a future generation is the confidence that you are going to take care of yourself, that they're not going to have to take care of you financially in the future. So taking care of yourself, putting that oxygen mask on yourself is extremely valuable. It's not selfish to do that. It's something that is necessary for you. So how do we set up to be able to do that? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I look at this, even this article, I, there was things that I disagreed with the way that they, Oh, me too. Because they said doing away with those bills if possible, is a budget-friendly move. Well, it's always possible. Um, and then at the bottom- It's a mindset. Right. It's a bottom. It says, you know, Christy Carlson, 34, goes shopping at Walmart with her two children, Tanner, number five, in the cart, and Seth, number seven, and her boyfriend. And she says she's afraid that using uh, credit cards to make end meet is, uh, is cost, you know, getting worse and worse. Well, 
I think what happens here is the parents, and I've seen this, and I don't think this, I, I know this, the parents oftentimes when there's children, and this, this is another layer, when there's children and then they have grandchildren, they often say to themselves, mm-hmm. well, I don't want the grandchild to have to you know, be miserable right now. And so they do, they spend extra money for the parents so that the grandchild, but all you're doing is perpetuating it from generation to generation. And we talked about this before about, you know, rags to rags and three generations. So, you know, uh, uh, and a lot of baby boomers, there's going to be a great migration of wealth from the baby boomers to the next generation. Uh, because the baby boomers, you know, were, were uh, a pension generation, so they had pension and any savings they had, um, they are going to pass along. Plus, they were they were also leveraged in life insurance, so they're going to pass life insurance proceeds along. And um, they were leveraged in life, life insurance because that was the main form of savings before 1970, the 1970s. So, all that kind of things is actually causing money to go flow to the next generation, but the next generation is not going to be prepared. And so there has to be some tough love here. And But actually, the corporations are making it tougher to have that tough love because when you think about it, the, the some of the major things that happen that re, um, cause this are the phone bill, is the one I see very often you know, that we, we mm-hmm. have adult children in their thirties that are still, the parents are still paying for their cell phone bill. Car insurance mm-hmm. is another one. Adult children yep. that are still in their thirties are paying for car insurance. Um, uh, student loan bills, adult children in their thirties. And I was sharing before the podcast, I have a client that has $175,000 in and student loans, and he has three kids. One's a doctor, one's a lawyer, and one's a pharmacist. And he's still all with paying all jobs paying now. Jobs very well, six figure uh, plus paying jobs, and yet he's still paying you know uh, over a thousand dollars a month in student loans. Where if he would just give it to them, and they would be three hundred fifty dollars a month, um, they're making more money than he's making. So so, and it's causing it now. It's causing an actual stress in his, he and his wife's life because they're trying to figure out how they can retire. But, you know, they have uh, 10 to 12 years of getting rid of this credit, this student loan. And it's just, Mm. it's putting a lot of stress on their relationship to the point where, you know, that she didn't even want to show up to the, to the meeting because she, she was in despair. She didn't know how this was going to work. And he was actually the one who said that he would pay for the kids college and she didn't think it was the right idea. Now she's she's saying almost like I told you so. Um, but what I'm talking and, about is know, all that. I think is is there? Yeah, you said even before the show, it was the expectation in advance. It was already set up in advance that here's what's going to happen. And so now, as the parent, how do you wiggle out of that commitment? So really, we, what we want to do is back that up and not have that expectation in the first place, right? Correct. And. and 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 the corporations, the credit card companies, the the student loans, the uh, the cell phone people, heck, Netflix, um, the um, car insurance, they make it very easy because it just comes on one bill, and you just mm-hmm. continue to do it, and you have to make an effort to say, hey, well, and then and I have people saying, uh, well, I don't want them to go get their own cell phone because then they're going to have to pay 
$99 a month because they're the primary. If they just stay on mine, it's $20. Well, you know what I say about that, Rachel? We'll have them do it and have you put them on your plan for only $20. Let the kid pay there for you your Because that's, and I say that because that's what I do with my mom and dad. So that's awesome. And you know what I would say as well, if, if you even kept the bill as it is, you wouldn't even have to move the bill, but figure out how to have the kids contribute towards that and help pay. I mean, it doesn't have to come out of your pocket just because you're all getting a better deal by bundling it together. It still should be their responsibility. Yeah. And and that's another good, you know, we've talked about the values of, of uh, specialty design life insurance contracts and my mom and dad actually have a home, a rental property that they rent to my sister. And I know from families, from my experience with my clients, families renting to a family member, it often becomes to, oh, well, they don't have enough money this month, so don't worry about mm-hmm. rent. And I said, no, we're not going to do this. We're actually going to have the rent flow directly from my sister's bank account into my dad's life insurance policy. And you can set that up as an actual Mm -hmm. bank to do that. And so that's the way we do it because I don't want that to be an excuse every, you know, well, we had a little bit problem this month, so on and so forth. And it's not, it's not because I'm worried about the payment from my mom and dad. I just, I've seen families who don't talk Mm -hmm. this through. It actually becomes a bone of contention between the families, Absolutely. it's not a good uh, situation, and, that, and that's, well, that, that comes it's up that a lot. Setting up, yeah, it's that setting up negative feelings and negative emotions. I mean, really, it is about the relationship. But I think sometimes we do things. I mean, I've seen this in my own life, and I've seen this in numerous different cases where we do something to seem like it's going to make things easier in the moment, but really, it sets up that uh, frustration that you know, anxiety about something, or then people are afraid to address the issue and they don't want to step on each other's toes. And so then they just get frustrated and then the relationship is dissolving. So really you do want to have that healthy expectation. And if you're loaning money to a family member, it should be the same requirement to pay as if you were loaning to a complete stranger. So I I agree with that, Bruce. Yeah. And so, you know, you made a little reference to this earlier, but, um, you, you talked about oxygen masks, and I don't know if the listeners quite caught that. But you know, you get on an airplane. Yeah, go back. They, you get on an airplane. They always talk about please, if you're traveling with a small child or somebody that needs assistance, please make sure you put on your oxygen mask first before mm-hmm. you uh, you know put on the per- the other person's oxygen mask, which would be somebody that needs assistance or or a young child. And when, and that's all we're saying with this is. You need to win, wean the kids off from the payroll. Now, they they in, in this article say, well, wean them off, but make sure that they have enough money at the end of the month to be able to wean off. And I'm telling you, if you try to make sure that they do, you'll never wean them off because, <laughs> because what, you yeah, think is it's a, true. what you think is a necessity is actually mm-hmm. a luxury and you'll never, you'll never change a habit whatsoever. You know, um, you know, I see people that's, well, he's got to go to this destination wedding, you know, in the Grand Caymans. So, you know, he, it's his friend and he grew up with them and so on and so forth. No, that's a tough decision. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. make decisions with your husband. I make decisions with my uh, wife about what we can and cannot do. I mean, it's, it's so right. The, so and especially an adult child 
should have to make that decision, no matter how difficult it is. If it's a true, Absolutely. if it's a true friend, then they would certainly understand. So I think the there's next- actually. I want to bring something out with that because they mentioned the type of education that they suggested making sure your child has financially was specifically not how to not be in debt and how to save for retirement. And so I do want to point out something interesting with that. I think that that's a really limited view of what should be taught to children. Now, the reason that I wanted to bring this up right here is that financial education has so much more to do with creating wealth in the first place, not just managing the resources that you already have. So teaching financial education needs to be expansive. And I think one of the reasons that we don't teach financial education is that we don't feel competent in ourselves and we don't feel like we're thriving in this area. And so we really want to, again, put on that oxygen mask, figure out how to build true wealth for ourselves so that we can teach this. But it should include the value transaction, how to make money in the first place by providing value to someone else. Understanding maybe that's business skills. Maybe that's understanding how to pay yourself first and make sure that you're building savings for yourself. Uh, An awareness of the cost of things, being aware of your cash flow, and yes, making those tough decisions. Can I do this and still meet my financial goals? Can I still pay myself first and go to the the destination wedding? Maybe the answer is no. And unfortunately, that is a tough call. But when you have to be put on your big girl panties and be responsible and make that decision, that is what helps us to grow. So then also having a spending plan, having automatic transactions for things that are really important that you want to make sure you're not missing those bills, understanding how to build good credit, not just how not to rack up the credit card, but how to have good credit in the first place, the importance of protecting your money. And I would say that has to do with your insurance protections and how important that is to make sure that nothing can come in and sweep away the wealth that you're building. And then having a vision and goals of what you want to create and how to get money working to create cash flow. So that's just a short list that I can come up with almost off the top of my head here. But financial education is a really big deal. And that's why it's so important to start young with kids to be able to teach them how to make money and then how to manage it as well. Yeah, and then as a as a tribute to this person in this article, I'd like to actually go over a couple of things that they actually uh, talked about prepping your kids for success. And I'll I'll comment when I don't necessarily agree with them. But they the first thing they said, just like uh, when they are young, uh, don't just toss them. You don't just toss them in a pool for swimming lessons. Uh, you have to help them transition so they don't sink. So it's a, it's the same thing. I'm not saying that you just an adult child or um, uh, a child a child in her in their teens. You don't just say, okay, I was giving you everything. Now I'm not giving you anything. You actually have to teach them about that, and that's what you were talking about. Then she says uh, that means teaching them some basic personal finance uh, finance t- uh, techniques techniques, avoiding credit card debt, basic budgeting, how interest rates Im- impact monthly payments on cars and homes and the benefits of saving early for retirement and other investment plans. Um, I look back on my life, and of course, that's the one that I'm the closest to. And when my wife and I were first together, we, we had a spending plan. And of course, we didn't have all these computers and things like that. So we actually bought, uh, I think I mentioned this maybe on another, we actually bought brown envelopes and we marked them. You yeah, did, we yeah. marked them, and it worked wonderfully. 
you know, we marked them, uh, you know, utilities, we marked them uh, rent, we marked them, you know, uh, entertainment, clothing, food. And, you know, on Friday night, if we wanted to go see a movie, we had to go over to the envelope and look in the envelope and see if there was any money in there for entertainment. Now, it didn't mean that if, if there wasn't any, this is what you were talking about, if there was, you know, going to a movie back then was $2.50. And if there's only $2.50 in there, we could rob from the clothing budget to, and but we could make that decision, but we couldn't rob from the utilities and we couldn't rob from the rent budget. You know, we just knew right. that. So something, having something simple like that, uh, now you can do it electronically now, although electronically it doesn't seem to hurt as bad when uh, you're moving money around. It's true. It's true. You have to have more of an intention and awareness of what you're doing on uh, in the program, but mint.com does work really well for that. But yeah, I think even just conceptualizing the difference between fixed payments that are required to be made and ones that are discretionary really helps you be able to make those decisions. Yeah. And she says that she wouldn't cut, um, she wouldn't cut them off if they didn't have the education to succeed. And she also said she would steer them to a podcast or our fun company website that provides an easy to understand investment information. Um, I definitely would steer them to podcasts because they seem to be uh, more generic. I don't know if a fun company would be the best. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are some government things. I'm not sure the government way of thinking is the best too. I think you, some not for profits would probably be a better way to, to uh, look at that. So then it talks about making a list of children's bills you pay. And um, it says, once you're confident, this is what I was talking about earlier. Once you're confident your adult child will pay his or her own rent on time, I'm telling you, you'll never be confident. So <laughs> don't don't use that as a platform. Um, and, you know, Rachel, this is different. You know, I never was able to have children. You have children. So, but I was a teacher of children for a long time. So I think mm-hmm. I've. I have a little bit of of uh, compassion, but the fact of the matter oh, I think yeah, you do. The fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, is that you're always going to make an excuse for your child and grandchild. I mean, that's just what it is. I see that over and over. You're never going to be confident because they're making decisions that you would never make. You know, they're buying things that you would never make, and then they tell you, "Mom, I don't have any, I don't have any money left over at the end of the month to pay my rent." And I have this huge credit card bill and you say, well, I'm sorry, I'm going to help you out with that, blah, blah, blah. Well, they're just going to keep doing that over and over and over. And how do I know that? Because I've seen it with clients over and over and over. So I disagree with this part. You'll never be confident. It also says that. Well, I think that's, I think that's a really, really good point. And I think that's also something that we need to set up early in parenting. I mean, it's something that is even, even now, I mean, these are decisions that we make with our daughter on a regular basis. Well, I want to have this new Barbie or this gum or whatever she wants to have. Well, certain things are responsibilities that we take care of her in her life. I mean, we're going to make sure she has a roof over her head and food to eat and clothes to wear. She's seven. I mean, she's not going to be paying for those things. But at the same time, we there's discretionary things that she just wants that are outside of the birthday and the Christmas and the, 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 those type of things. And sometimes those are her responsibility to take care of. And so, so then she has to figure out, well, how am I going to make the money so that I can have enough and put enough into my spending plan? And because we have her allocate, here's the saving, here's the giving, here's the spending. I have to have enough in the spending plan to be able to do that. So 
Um, yeah, I think you're really right about making sure that it's not just about making excuses for them that they can't afford it. It's really helping them understand how to make wise decisions and then be responsible for those choices. Yeah. And they, they talk about the different lists like uh, cell phones, cars. I mean, I've seen people playing for adult children's car payments, uh, spending money, even credit card charges, gas and shopping excursions. And it says more often than not, parents end up picking up recurring bills. And this is what we talked about uh, earlier, like cell phone plans forever, cell phone, Netflix plans forever, because they feel like, well, why? once again, I've already said this, but they feel like, well, why should I have them pay $99 when they can just be on mine for $20? And and I say this to my my clients all the time, we'll have them pay $99 and then actually they pick up yours too, because that's actually, that should be an appreciative thing uh, for what they, they have done for you. The next part is if your adult child has enough money at the end of each month, once again, I don't think you should determine whether they have enough money. Um, at the end, of, to absorb all these costs, then consider cutting them off and putting the cash back in your own po- pocket. You, they're never going to have enough money if you're if you're trying to decide whether they have enough money or not. I mean, because they're spending once again, they're spending money on things that you would have never spent money on at that age. And and, and it's, it comes down. It's funny how it all comes down to easy credit. And it, you know, it it was a lot easier to have credit nowadays than it did you know, during the baby boomer uh, uh, situation. So people had to make um, hard choices. And it says, ultimately, at some point, you have to cut the cord. I agree. And I think it's, I think that cut cord needs to be cut way before the adult child has enough money. Um, and it's, but they also said, this person says, it depends on how quickly depends on, on the kid's cash flow. And that comes back to what you said, is if we're teaching people how to add value to people's lives so that they're creating wealth, not just trying to have the scarcity, well, I can't have this, I can't have that, then that's also a huge component to uh, solving this uh, family problem. And I agree. I think it's not so much just saying I can't afford things, but figuring out how can I make the money to be able to afford it. And that's a question that our kids should be thinking about with us, brainstorming and bringing solutions even from their very early years. And so I also wanted to bring a quick plug to Mike Michalowicz, who wrote Profit First. There was a fantastic idea in his book um, about kids and helping them figure out how to handle their money that they make. Um, And he talked about having not only money that you're saving for immediate expenses, but also long-term expenses. He also had something that I've never heard of before. And I thought it was a really fascinating idea, but he said, as soon as kids have money, I mean, you're either giving an allowance or they're making money somewhere when they have money and they have money coming in, have them allocate, maybe it's five cents out of every dollar, but to pay back to the family to get used to having this living expense or a cost of living or a payment that they make on a regular basis to contribute to all of the services that they're using as a child. And I thought that was just really fascinating, but that teaches then this habit of financial responsibility. And that comes back to this whole idea as well. You can either give somebody a fish and feed them for a day. I know that this is a quote that's said widely, and I'm not sure who to credit it to, but you can either give a fish and feed somebody for a day, or you can teach them to fish 
and and feed them for their whole life. And I think sometimes it's easier in the moment to give the fish because it seems like the most immediate need and it seems like it solves the problem. It's the same thing as giving the dollar, giving the buck to the kid today. But really what we want to do is teach them to be self-sustaining and then they're not going to have that financial insufficiency. They're not going to be in a position where they are required to come back to you where you have to give them money because there's no way out and you're bailing them out. You really want to be in a position where they're financially stable. And then I want to bring up one other piece here. Andrew Howell has a great book called Entrusted. And he talks about this transition of wealth. So through our estate planning and through passing on a legacy, whether it's life insurance and all of the assets that we accumulate through our life as we're passing that on to future generations. He talks about not just passing on wealth, but passing on the wisdom to sustain wealth. He also talks about things like having a family banking system where kids might borrow out of it if it is approved by the board that is the family, and then they have to pay it back. So maybe that's for a business loan, or maybe it's for a first house payment, or maybe that's for college planning, but they're always then having to think about the return on that capital and the ability to repay the loan. And I think that's just a fascinating idea to be able to teach that financial responsibility at an early age and recognize that money has to be repaid. And also just that idea of having the education to manage wealth, but not just receive We actually do that with our clients. Uh, We actually try to encourage them, although my generation is really poor at doing this, encourage them to talk about their finances with the next generation. We try to get them in a room together. And you're right. It's not just about the finances, though. It's about what's important to keep the legacy going of the mindset. That mindset might be family. You know, we want you to use this money that's going to get passed along for a specific purpose. You know, we want you to take X amount of dollars out and we want you to get together with your family, your your siblings once a year and take this money and use it on a family trip um, and and talk about and keep the, the spirit of the family uh, legacy together. So it's not just about, you know, just the how you make money, but it's also about how you treat people, how you're charitable, uh, how we want to keep that mm-hmm. line going. And, it, and this, this, a lot of people say, well, uh, we don't have a whole lot of money. We're not like we're going to start a foundation or something like that. Well, you can if you, if you start it at one generation and keep moving it through the generations and you keep that, that generational thought of being charitable and, fel- and helping your fellow man and keeping that family spirit alive. And I think actually keeping family spirit alive is going to be actually more and more important as we start to drift apart. Here in St. Louis, we have uh, a problem with the city not being part of the county, and we can never agree on on anything. And John Montevani, or excuse me, Mark Montevani, he ran for a county commissioner, and his whole platform was, we are losing jobs to to hip places like Nashville and Austin, Texas and um, Denver. And what has happened is it's tearing families up because his son went to high school with 11 other guys. He called him the dirty dozen and 11 out of the 12 actually moved out of the St. Louis area. 
And now all the parents and the grandparents can't see the grandkids. And they're always constantly, there's more mm -hmm. stress on the family because they're moving and they're, and they're not being able to talk about their values as much. And so as we can, and that was this whole platform and he, and he lost by one percentage point to the, to the incumbent. Oh, yeah. Wow. And so I think wow. it's, yeah, I think That's it's resonating with people. Um, and, mm -hmm. and oh, absolutely. so as we close up this, we want people to really realize that this money, this money uh, decision or that you're making with your family is actually going to help in the long run. It's like ripping the bandaid off. It's going to hurt. I, I, I keep telling story after story, but I had another um, person that I grew up with. We hadn't talked to for a long time, but she reached out to me and we're going over things and it had to come with do, do with student loans. And I said, you need to actually have your two daughters take over your student loans. Well, I don't know. You know, they're struggling. And I'm like, how can they be struggling? You know, she's she's the vice president of accounting for this business. And the other one, I can't remember what she did, but she had more, they were making mm -hmm. more money than the parents. And she said, well, OK, so wow. she calls me up, you know, a couple of weeks later and says, well, I did it, but they're not talking to me now. And, you know, mm -hmm. I knew it. And she goes, she goes, but Bruce, it's the best thing. I'm glad you told me to do it. And sure enough, then it took about, you know, another six weeks, but they understood why they were doing it and they took responsibility, but it was a really hard thing to do. The longer it goes on, just like the Band-Aid, the longer it stays on, the, long, the harder it is to get off. <laughs> so you need to rip that Band-Aid off. That's so true. That is so true. And I think that's why we want to make decisions that are in our best interest and our kids' best interest starting as soon as possible not delaying just because it might be uncomfortable. And I absolutely can understand how that could be very challenging. And especially if the expectations already been set and the commitments have already been made that you're going to continue these payments. Having that real open, honest conversation though is tremendously valuable. I think it really is helpful to relationships to be transparent, honest, and direct. There's a great, um, I believe it's a TED talk called Radical Candor. And I've heard of this in a couple different situations before and using that in family relationships and being completely honest is absolutely the best way to have healthy relationships. There's one more point that I do want to bring out that was in the article before we close. And this was that the article did talk about evaluating your insurance coverage. And they mentioned here that if you don't have kids at home to support and college tuition is paid, your mortgage is nearly paid off. And it said that you might not need expensive life insurance premiums anymore. Um, so I just did want to point that out that life insurance is a really valuable legacy transfer tool to pass on wealth to the next generation and set them up for success. If you have whole life insurance, you have cash value that you can use for an emergency and opportunity fund. I would not reduce your life insurance just because kids are out of your house. But what I would be looking at is how can I make sure that I pass on that value of having that protection in my financial life and talk to your kids about the decisions that you're making. If you're if you are saying I want to invest in real estate because I want to have cash flow and I want to have passive income or income from assets, talk to your kids about that. Help them see and understand that value system. Help them understand the value of putting the protection in place in in their life. Help them understand what you're doing with your cash flow awareness because as they see they're going to model it's not just what you say it's what they see you practicing. 
Yeah, Rachel, I started in life insurance in the 80s, and the needs analysis is probably one of the worst things that the life insurance industry ever came up with because it shouldn't be about needs. Agreed. It should be about wants. And yes. what's, what's interesting is I have a new crusade that I'm trying to get on is why aren't we using our lifetime insurance uh, amount that we can use? Why aren't we allowing our children to take life insurance out on our on the parents? And it's a concept that many people think it's a great idea, but also people feel like icky because they're like, well, then my child's going to wish I die. And I'm like, well, first of all, then you and your child don't have a very good relationship. And, right. and secondly, it, it, the, the fact of the matter is, is if you understand how specially designed life insurance contracts work, they actually grow over the lifetime. So the death benefit doesn't stay stagnant. It actually grows. So I actually have one of these on my father. And if he dies, he's, he's going to turn 80 this year. If he dies now, I get a I get about $400,000. And if he dies in another uh, between 13 and 15 years, it grows to over $700 or $700,000. So why in the heck would I be rooting for him to die? Now, exactly. it's a little more complicated than that. I actually mm-hmm. uh, helping my parents out. Um, I'm kind of being their bank and they're going to pay me. My father's going to pay me back at his death. He's going to pay the bank back. It's just something that you mm-hmm. have to, but it, once again, it's it's showing how the family talking about finances can actually help along the way and build legacy um, going uh, further down the road. You know, now I can use the bank when my father's gone to make sure my you know sisters are okay um, and and teach them and and the and the grandkids uh, can use the bank and so on and so forth. And without just um, and having no expectations. So yeah, insurance needs, whether it's life insurance, car insurance is another big one, uh, homeowner's insurance, the stress that when we've talked about this on other programs, the stress that that causes when you don't have those proper insurances in place, make that actually causes you not to be the best person you could possibly be. Oh, absolutely. So I know that we've covered <clears throat> a lot of ground today. This article and the link for that will be in the show notes. Check it out and use this podcast to really have an honest conversation with yourself, maybe your spouse and your kids, depending on what age they are right now, be thinking about how do I set them up and myself for the most success? How do we build strong, confident, financially independent kids that are financially responsible for themselves at an age appropriate time? And then be able to move forward in a position of knowing that you are setting yourself up for the greatest success because you are maximizing your cash flow and you're putting your kids in a position where they can maximize theirs as well. So as we close, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build the life and business you love. Do you have an established business and make great income but feel like you can never get ahead or just plain have financial confusion? Get the business owner's three-step roadmap to achieve time and financial freedom without working harder or sacrificing your lifestyle. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash roadmap to get your roadmap and free training. And when you register, you'll also get access to our ultimate money finder cheat sheet that you can use to recover lost cash flow and save on taxes. 
Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on the moneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.